got a three-run homer out of Gregory Polanco, you wouldn't believe me. If I told you the Pirates ended an eight-game losing streak by really beating up on the Cardinals, you wouldn't believe me. And if I told you that Stephen Brault threw a complete game, you'd just turn this thing off and go find something else to listen to. I don't know. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network, which is available to you on all platforms, like everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Anchor. However many platforms there are, we have a mechanism for sending our show out to them, so it's available everywhere. All that we ask in return is that you set us up for automatic downloads. makes a big, big difference to this little business. The Pirates beat the Cardinals 5-1 to one last night at PNC Park. I was over there covering the game, writing off it, enjoying it, to be honest with you. Derek Shelton called it the best game we've played all season, and yeah, you set yourself up for snickers when you say stuff like that but they've had at least a handful of other good games over the course of the 15 they've won but this one was unquestionably the best Uh, between the offense that they showed the fact that they didn't make an error the fact that you know they were actually really clean in the field and and then there was brault and Jacob Stallings, and you can't take them apart in discussing what happened here and why it might matter moving forward, too. Uh, This season doesn't, obviously. There's nothing left. You could argue that there was nothing left of this season after the first week and change the way that started out. But when you see any sign of a younger or youngish player, especially when it's a left-handed pitcher since they never really age, that's a positive. Uh, that, that, that one means something. And what meant the most out of this, I thought, and I found this fascinating, was that when it was done, Brault gave a lot of credit to Stallings and, and you can roll your eyes at that. That's it's really common. Pitcher just says, oh, my catcher called a great game. Catcher called a great game. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how it goes. You never have a pitcher say after they pitch lousy, man, my catcher was just the worst. <laughs> my catcher, he just put down all the wrong signs. Every time I thought I had something going, he'd mess up my rhythm. It's never going to happen. So I've learned to not take that stuff too seriously but when Brault tells you that basically he put no mental effort into this game before the first pitch several hours before it's common for uh no it's common it's universal that a pitcher and a catcher get together to revisit one last time the other team's hitters. And they'll always do this after they've had the lineup card 
officially submitted. So Mike Schilt puts in his lineup around 4 p.m. That's the St. Louis manager. And they get the card, and they go into this one room uh, that's across from where the clubhouse is. They close the door. They have some video apparatuses there. They have a video assistant to help them if needed, and then they go over. None of this happened. None of this happened. Brault has been so exasperated by the way his season has gone that he said for the first time that Stallings could ever remember as a catcher, not from Brault, but from anybody, I I don't want to know anything about these guys. All I want to know is what pitch you want me to throw. And that's all I'm going to do is I'm going to throw that pitch and I'm going to throw it with conviction. And Stallings, who, by the way, couldn't even speak about this stuff after the game without laughing. Like, he, he was punctuating every sentence with laughing. He just couldn't believe that this happened. It's like, all right, okay. So there he goes against the Cardinals lineup that's pretty good. You know, Paul DeYoung's up there. Paul Goldschmidt, Colton Wong, uh, just uh, a lot of very, very good hitters. And on top of that, Schilt sent seven right-handed hitters up there against the lefty Brault. So they were ready. This was, And this is a big deal for the Cardinals. They're in a playoff race. They really can't afford to keep losing to the Pirates, and now they've lost four in a row to the Pirates. And Brault goes out there, and he takes the ball, and just follows the signals. Amazing how, amazing how all sports, any sports, can, what's the word I'm looking for here? Metamorphosize. There, how do you end up with that word after you say, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't even know if that is a word. Metamorphosize. It sounds like one. But that's what sports do. Different players, different positions take on different roles. You've heard a lot in recent years about catchers and pitch framing. That's been an art forever in baseball. There's just never been a way to really quantify it other than, hey, that guy's really good at pitch framing, or hey, that guy's really not getting himself many strikes. Now, because of all the access to all the data not just the math, but the actual input of data, ways to measure how much a catcher's glove moves to take a ball and turn it into a strike. Stallings has that. Stallings is a valuable player. He's the best pitch framer, according to the metrics, in all of baseball. He's also hit pretty well. He's one of the top ten hitting catchers in baseball. He's been one of the Pirates' best hitters in a season where they don't have those things. But I still come back to Brault, and I have to, because no matter how much the game changes, somebody's still got to make the pitches, and the pitcher's still in control, even when he's not in control. He's got to have the command. He's got to have the presence. He's got to have the poise. So what I asked Brault about was after the eighth inning, And he knows, of course, at that point in the game that he's on a pretty severe pitch count. He's at about 
not at about. He's definitely at 96. I remember looking up at the clock. He was at 96 pitches. And that's the end. I mean, you're just not sending the guy back out after that. I don't care what time of year, how stretched out he is. On top of that, St. Louis had the top of their order coming up. And it had to be a little bit, at least a little bit, nerve-wracking for him. Except maybe it wasn't. Here's what he had to say. No, I think uh, that's the main thing. The little conversations I had in the dugout in between the 8th and ninth uh, with Stalls, with Oscar, and with Musgrove, it was the same message from all three of them. Don't change anything. Go out there. Do the same thing you've been doing all game. You know, it's obviously been working, so just keep doing it. Um, so, yeah, that's that was the plan. Don't change anything. So, Brault goes back out there. He's got Tommy Edmond, gets him to ground out to third. Dion comes up, strikes out. Goldschmidt comes out, strikes out on a foul tip. Fireworks go up off the barge under the 6th Street Bridge. Even there's no fans in there or whatever, but they still play all the music and all that other stuff. Stallings goes out to the mound, gives Brault the biggest bear hug. Stallings says later, and again, still laughing, I felt like I pitched a complete game. (laughs) Joe Musgrove, who'd been one of only three people permitted to come anywhere near Brault during this game. I'm talking about it now as if it's a no-hitter, but look, everything is, you know, contextual here. They all wanted to see this. Brault hadn't gone longer than five innings. The Pirates had only two quality starts to this point in the season, and Brault had mentioned just a week ago on the road that it was uh, embarrassing for all of them that they hadn't had that one big start over the course of the season. So they all kind of felt this, and it was it was fun. It was good. I, I loved hearing the little backstories, the inside stuff. Stallings was talking about how they were throwing dummy fastballs late in the game. And if you don't know what that means, it means you're throwing pitches that you really don't expect to get anybody out with, but you're throwing them just to set up whatever your pitcher's most effective pitch might be to keep them off of that. In this case, it was Brault's changeup. It was the best changeup I've ever seen him throw, and he threw a ton of them, which was also out of character. Yeah, he's he's, he's stalling. He's laughing. Yeah, we're throwing dummy fastballs late in the game. He's still laughing about it. I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss when baseball goes away. I already miss and have long missed Fun, competitive, engaging baseball stories. I love these things. I wish we had them on a regular basis, meaning more than once every three weeks. But that's what we get in Pittsburgh until this team either builds or rebuilds or whatever definition they care to apply to it. Baseball is awesome. And it's awesomer still when it's relevant. When we come back, we're going to talk about two teams that absolutely are anything but relevant. Welcome back in the year where we've seen 
seen the global pandemic, where we've seen unrest over racial injustice, where we've seen California wildfires and murder hornets and all this other badness and madness. Isn't it wonderful that the Ohio half of the AFC North still stinks? Wow. The Browns beat the Bengals 35-30. to And don't let the score fool you. That game last night was every bit as bad as you would expect and hope from these two franchises. There were moments, there were players who rose a little bit above. Uh, In particular, Cleveland's legitimately terrific running back tandem of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were finally utilized properly. They ran right at the Bengals, got a ton of yardage. Baker Mayfield was about as ordinary as everyone's come to expect and threw a big pick late in the game that nearly cost his team. Overall, the Browns aren't any good. Um, They're going to get as hyped up as you would imagine because that's just what they do up there over every little thing, including beating the Bengals. But it's not going to change the truth. On the other side of it, Look, everybody expected the Bengals were going to be bad. But Joe Burrow appears to be the real deal, even even within the framework of facing Cleveland's defense, which is not good. Uh, he threw 61 passes, which is a, a ridiculous figure. I don't care how old or how young you are. But he got 316 yards out of it. He got three touchdowns and no interceptions. So it tells you a lot about how much Cincinnati's coaching staff and players already trust the kid in week two. Uh, He also said after the game, Burrow, I thought rather powerfully that losing really, really stinks. It's not something he's used to. He can't remember the last time he lost two games in a row in his life. Well, okay, kid, you knew you got drafted by the Bengals, right? But he did keep them in it. And he obviously kept them in it the previous week when Randy Bullock shanked what should have been the winning field goal. So there's a sign, singular, of hope for the Bengals. But that's not coming this year. That's not going to materialize into anything this year. The Ravens, of course, obliterated the Browns 38-6. to And Lamar Jackson looked really good through the air. I think the Ravens are going to miss Marshall Yonda terribly on their offense. I also don't think much of the Ravens' defensive front. But I've seen shortcomings in certain facets of Baltimore's operation in the past that John Harbaugh's always somehow found a way to seal up and even strengthen as a season goes along. Uh, Good head coaches will do that sort of thing. I can't draw a distinction 
at least not a meaningful one, between Pittsburgh and Baltimore yet. Funny thing is, if you go back through the years, you haven't been able to do that after one meeting in a season. You usually can't do it after both meetings. It's generally been something you have to wait for the third meeting, meaning, of course, in the playoffs, for that to become clear. But I do know, after watching this game, this thing last night uh, in Cleveland, that the Ohio teams aren't going to be any threat. Those are four games the Steelers, uh, it's easy to say must win, but they actually really, really should. You know, these aren't the gimme putts necessarily that they used to be in the past, but these are these are four games that you should be chalking up as Ws. And this is this is yet another reason I believe that these Steelers are headed toward meaningful contention in 2020. If that sounds like a euphemism, so be it. I don't know what exactly that's going to look like come late December or January. That all depends on how the Steelers come together uh, as a team, how they come together uh, in terms of momentum, in terms of surprises. Like I was just mentioning with Harbaugh strengthening certain areas of his team, uh, you hope to see that with the Steelers. For example, the offensive line. You want to see them find answers to things that currently might be question marks. That happens over 16 games. One thing you can say about Mike Tomlin teams, at least when he's not operating with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges as his quarterbacks, is that they tend to get better over the course of a season, and then they tend to be at their very best in December. Things look really good for the Steelers. They do. It's only one weekend. I'm not getting ahead of anything here. Denver is going to be at least something of a challenge. Denver will be more of a challenge than either Cleveland or Cincinnati will. That part for me is cemented after last night. Cleveland and Cincinnati both stink. Coming up after this break, another thing that was cemented, Stanley Cup finalists. So, outside of Pittsburgh last night, outside of PNC Park where I was covering baseball, way up in Edmonton, Alberta, the Tampa Bay Lightning advanced to the Stanley Cup Final by beating the New York Islanders in overtime of Game 6 in the Eastern Final. Score was 2-1. The OT goal was by Anthony Sorelli. And the goal before that was the ninth of the playoffs by Victor Hedman, who's having himself a Conn Smythe and a half kind of playoff to date. This portion of Daily Shot is always brought to you by our friends at Luxembourg Garbett, Kelly and George. That's a personal injury law firm that represents 
People who get hurt in car accidents, workers' comp cases, medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. And the law firm has been keeping promises for over 80 years. I said 80, that's an 8-0. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. And you can learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. I'm sticking with the Stars to cut to the chase. I believe the Stars are going to be the Stanley Cup champions. I believe they are, in a way, the resurrection of the 2019 St. Louis Blues. So many similarities. So many similarities. They're in your face. They're heavy. But they also have speed. They have skill. They have depth. Uh, They've got themselves the hot goaltender. The way the Blues had Craig Bennington. The Stars have Anton Kudobin. There's a good mix of young and old. But the one thing that really jumps out for me about Dallas is that they've been able to make the most of their older forwards by having uh, this really high-octane, extremely mobile set of defensemen. And that's going to make for a fascinating matchup with the Lightning. The Lightning, of course, have some guys like that of their own, notably Hedman, who just does everything. I mean, he's been, to this point in the playoffs, the very best player anyone's had. But if the Stars can find a way to keep the Lightning from forechecking, to keep them from getting in and running up all these crazy high shot totals the way they have throughout the playoffs, the Stars are going to be dangerous. If the Stars can't do that, if they get trapped in their own zone, they're actually not a very good defensive team. By defensive, I mean once they're stuck in their own zone, they're not super slick with being where they need to be when they need to be. And if you look at the way, for example, the Lightning scored that winning goal in overtime last night, it was classic Tampa. Sorelli himself was the one who dumped the puck into the right corner. He's fast enough to get in there and retrieve it himself. And then from there, you just start seeing all the lightning guys just start buzzing around. And the Islanders guys, now it's overtime and they're tired of this. They've been at this for six games with these guys, including a couple of overtimes. They just lost sight of where everybody was on the rink. And the goal ends up being a JV-level tap-in, essentially, in front. That's what the Lightning will do to you. It's reminiscent of the way the Penguins were in 2016 when they had... This was the kind of the birth of HBK, and the Penguins were running up, uh, ironically for the purposes of this discussion, including on Tampa and Eastern Finals, just all kinds of nutty shot totals and shot attempt totals. And the Lightning couldn't handle it. They just eventually were just, they, you know, you get tired of it. You get tired of skating around with a, your head on a swivel. These are both good teams. Either of them can win it. 
but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the stars on this one. I think the stars have the slightly better power play, if only because they've got all their guns and Tampa is never gonna be at full strength power play wise without Steven Stamkos. There's no reason to expect Stamkos will play in a final. Yes, he made an appearance, and that was nice for the Prince of Wales trophy presentation and all that other stuff, but you're not bringing him out like that, looking like a mascot, if you think he's going to be ready for Game 1. I mean, he wasn't ready for this, and this was Game 6 of a conference final that's pretty much a must-W. Game 1 of the final is... Saturday night, you're not going to see Stamkos participate in this. The Stars have everybody going. The Stars have everything going. And I'll finish with this. The Stars have one other thing. They've been sitting around healing for these last four days. That doesn't necessarily help you in a game one, as we've seen over the years with the Penguins, because the other team still has more of that momentum and mojo and everything else and you're caught a little flat-footed but it definitely helps you over the course of a series the stars have had a chance to heal up the stars again have a handful of older guys and the lightning by comparison have some guys notably their best forward Braden Point who's been really banged up and in and out of the lineup who doesn't get a chance to even take a deep breath. Next game is tomorrow. Anybody watching the Stanley Cup final? Why am I talking about this? Seriously, I just just this just hit me. Like I think the ratings are like nothing in the United States right now. And I know Pittsburghers are interested in the Penguins, and I I will catch myself wondering at times if they end up watching the rest of the playoffs once the Penguins are out. It's normal for the ratings to go way, way down after that happens. That's that's universally true. But these playoffs have not been bad uh, at all. They haven't been great. But as they've gone along and you've gotten over some of the, the strangeness and the tarps and the fake crowd noise and, and whatever else, the hockey itself has been pretty compelling and I think this final is going to be pretty good too whether you or anybody else watches it (laughs) anyway the rest of this weekend is all about football Steelers versus Broncos at 1pm Sunday the home opener with absolutely no fans at Heinz Field still looking forward to it I believe the Steelers are going to win this game I believe the Steelers are going to Set the offense right, but only after Connor gets hurt again and Benny Snow plays. Thanks for listening. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.